Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. I'm excited to be here because I actually drove here myself. Which is shocking. I, I had bets on Montana that that's where you were going to end up tonight. How did you make it across the river? Well, actually, Montana uh, Avenue. I know. <laughs> that's right. I there was, is a Montana Avenue. Yeah, I was up there. I, it took me a little while. To get from downtown across the river? It's a three-minute drive. I didn't drive. know how to get across the river. Then they told me there's a bridge. There's... <laughs> I don't like you. I just don't like you at <laughs> that's all. That's just because you have taste. <laughs> Hi, Gene. Hey. Hey, Gene. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, I was on, we have a friend, uh, askthelifeguard.com, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a friend yeah, yeah. of the show, somebody yeah. that we've gotten to know, and um, he has a website, askthelifeguard.com, and people really should go to it. It's pretty interesting. Actually, it's actually not real interesting. <laughs> There's nothing ever happens on it. It's just yeah. like... It's really probably the most boring website I've ever seen. But nonetheless. What would you ask a lifeguard? Well, I don't know. Well, we've had emails. <laughs> when he's than, on here. Could when, you save me? Well, yeah, yeah. But then usually it's just, hell. Yeah. It's not a real question. Not it's really something you're going to log statement. on to do. <laughs> anyway, I saw on his website, then yeah. in the right-hand corner, there was a small little thing that said that he, and it's Dr. Greg Schran. Mm-hmm. Dr. Greg Schran, for first-time listeners. Like we're writing it down. It's a PhD. Everyone <laughs> yeah, take right. notes. Taking notes. Take notes. Like it's a college Dr. class. Greg Fair point. Schrand. Fair point, Jerry. <laughs> but he has a PhD in medieval literature. Oh, yeah. And he, One of the most useful PhDs out there. That's why he's lifeguarding, yes. man. That's why he's got yeah. a job as a lifeguard. Yeah. So he's down in Uruguay in the winter, mm. but he's coming up, which he does every year, for this uh, thing. This conference that he goes to. A lifeguard and I, conference? No, it's actually for medieval literature. Even more and exciting. I, <laughs> and I thought we need to talk to him because he's like putting some pressure on now. I left a message. Oh, you guys ought to go to this conference. It's really good. Yeah. I thought, well, maybe we're missing something. Maybe we're missing a lot. <laughs> so I want to ask David, who I think has... Uh, Dr. Greg Schran on the line. He was going to give him a call. Do you have him, David? Yeah. All right, let's put on Dr. Schran and let's just find out oh, what the conference is about. Oh, I think so. Dr. Oh. Schran? Hello, that's the lifeguard. Oh, there he is. Oh, hey, Dr. Schran. Uh, hey. So, hey. Hey. Hey, Dr. Schran. So this uh, conference that you go to every year, I guess, is, is it like an annual profesh- professional conference for professors? Is that basically what it is? Absolutely. Uh, this is the uh, this is the ninety third annual meeting. Wow. Ninety third annual meeting of the Medieval Academy of America. Is this where you discuss oh all gosh. the changes that have happened to Beowulf over the years? Yeah. Like, yeah. What do you talk about oh, yeah. exactly? <laughs> so, uh, give us a sample of what you'll be going to, and I know you are pushing that we ought to go to this thing. Oh, absolutely. What I was thinking is the four of us would fly up or over to Atlanta in Jerry's jet. Oh, yeah, that's the first uh, problem right there. I've never been on Jerry's jet, and I've known Jerry since almost high school. And that isn't going to change. 
But the point is, what, what do you mean? I mean, medieval times, they didn't have planes. Why don't you just well, walk there on a carriage like the people back then did? Be go. committed. Well, no, I'm an Uruguay, so I thought you could swing by. Uruguay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> swing by on your way to Atlanta via Uruguay. All right, so what, yeah. are, the, what are these workshops? Well, this is at Emory University in Atlanta, March Ooh. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. That's, uh, and that I sounds I real. I thought get rid of the finance great. problem first. Uh, for a non-member, it'll be three hundred and twenty-five dollars for each of you. Wow. Okay. And Wait a second. Get, I'm just a, lighting a match to a my money break, right now. <laughs> what does that three hundred and twenty-five bucks get you, sir? In trouble. That gets you. Uh, you get to go to any of these conferences those three days. Wow. Wow. Now we really have to get there the first day, March first. Uh huh. Because it will start with a plenary address. And the topic is materials from the margins, Islamic connections, and pre-Mongol globalism. Wow. Yeah. And I don't think uh-huh. any of us want to miss that. I mean, no, I, I don't think. <laughs> tell you what, I'm packing that, my bags right now. Yeah, that is, is like a yeah, I made fun, but I didn't realize that's what they would be discussing. Now yeah. I feel embarrassed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I thought it'd be great to arrive, all of us wearing our uh, Beowulf Beach Blast T-shirts. Uh-huh. Beowulf Beach Blast T-shirts. Yeah. Yes. Left over. Yeah. Left got, over from the two I've people that went to the I've got about 55 boxes in my garage. Yeah. Do the people they at the... They say it in Anglo-Saxon. So this must be a really right. hot event. Like, there's a lot of hookups oh, going on there. Yeah, there's a Do the people well, at the... At I think we'll look great at this, wearing these T-shirts, because on the front they say, Beowulf Weyroth Bloss. Huh. What's that mean? How about that? And on the back they say, Bataeon Trump, Cheosun Beowulf. Okay. Right. That means dump Trump, he left Beowulf. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> has anyone at this these uh, conferences has anyone ever had a date? No. No. Well, no, because uh, that would distract from the materials being discussed. Yes. Are there any women at these conferences? Is my oh yeah, Megan. I have picked out one of these uh, colloquia just for you. Oh yeah. This is the one you would not want to miss because. This is especially interesting to most women. Oh, I can't wait. So this one is called Manifestly Spurious and Fantasy, Falsifications and Truth About Royal Women in 12th Century Portuguese Charters. <laughs> well, <laughs> sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I already did. Yeah. Oh, you Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Schmidt. I meeting. appreciate that. <laughs> Wow. And Jerry, since he's so well-spoken, I'm sure he doesn't want to miss this one. Mm-hmm. This colloquium is on cumulative semantics, trilingual reading practices at Nunatayan Abbey. Now, does that, that comes with a cocktail, right? Like, you get yeah, a drink for that one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Jerry, do you know what that means? No, wake me every up. Every one of these, then, you adjourn to... Uh, the yeah. basswood room for drinks. Huh. All right. And All right, we're going to consider... Gene, you don't want to be left out. Oh, it's well, I okay. Was hoping can... I could be. <laughs> okay. You can leave him out. He's yeah, fine I with that. Out. So, uh, How do I get left you out? You are a teacher. Yes. So this is right up your alley. 
Uh-huh. Rochfitz Dionysus, a lesson in redemptive pedagogy. Actually, I'd like to go to that you one. You are such a nerd. No. I would. No, I'd like to go to that one. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go to that one. That sounds great. <laughs> All right, thank you, Dr. Greg Schran. Ask the lifeguard. I want to say two more things real quick. Remember, we're not digital. We're medieval. There you go. We'll get back to you. And Megan, always swim with a friend, with a a buddy, with a buddy, with a buddy. 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 Okay, thanks, Bonnie. Okay, we'll see you soon. All right, see ya, Dr. Greg Schrand. Bye, Dr. Schrand. Yeah, we don't have to go to that though. Uh, No, we don't. No, okay, okay. Hey, I think we had we had this post-show dinner each week and we were oh. at that dinner <laughs> and <laughs> megan i believe I we found the line there, he has a line below which jerry won't go for money it's and it's low it's it's pretty <laughs> darn low it's pretty darn low this is not a joke this is this actually is real but life. at this dinner we know we're not gonna we don't i don't know the name of the company don't want to know don't know the name of it we don't want to identify anything here to get jerry in trouble but the fact is jerry you were approached by your people, like I guess your agent, your people, for a gig. We won't specify the amount, but by my standards and your standards, by normal a people's huge, standards, a lot of money, a huge amount of money. Yep. If Jerry would become a national spokesperson for not a pill, I remember that uh, f- former vi- uh, presidential candidate Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Became the national spokesperson for Viagra. Yep, really helped the company, and made him virtually a laughing stock. None of this is made up. This is all honestly the truth. So this thing. Why don't I take it from here? <laughs> okay. So can we call it a device? Does it? What is this? I get a situation? call from my agent, <laughs> and uh, he says, "Jared, this is totally up to you, but we have, and I use the term loosely." A firm offer. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. Which, without specifically, but it's pretty close, well, a half a million dollars. Yeah, it's a lot of money. To become, to cut some ads, which wouldn't be on television, they would be on the... um, Interweb. Social, uh, on social media. And on all different forms of social media. Oh, no one would see of that. Of me so. endorsing a, a device for erectile dysfunction. <laughs> a device, not a pill. It's, I, and this is God's truth. I have not seen it. I'm just I, it, picturing like hydraulic I, fulcrum situation. <laughs> I don't know. Ball bearings. I know. <laughs> hey, Megan. I don't know. Boys. I know. I don't, levers. I don't know. I'm scared. Velcro, <laughs> like a splint it's or a, something. It's a spring. I'm not a sure. Spr- springs, maybe. Well, a springer. Okay. Oils. Okay. There's nothing wrong with a splint. Now, uh, <laughs> a pump, like a bicycle pump or something. I don't know. This is all true. I know. So I have. I, I literally have not seen it yet. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, what, first when they mention the amount, let's be honest, that's a nice piece of change. Yeah, and so I have been humiliated by so many things in life. <laughs> <laughs> What's one more? <laughs> if anything, we'll get people to forget a check. Right. <laughs> 
Well, that was good. <laughs> 45 years later. Who would have so, thought it would take pulleys and hydraulics? Does it make noise, you think? They, <laughs> they mentioned, including Howard Stern, some of the shows I would have to uh, appear on. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking. There's your legacy. I, there's no way I can, I can do this. So I said, well, I'll get back to you tomorrow. And I just thought, well, we went to dinner. And I talked about it, and I said, I just can't do this. And then breakfast. We had breakfast the next day with some other people, and we were back on it again. Still still can't do it. Now, did you ever get a chance to talk to Mickey about this, to talk to your wife? No, (laughs) no. Which, by the way, would be insulting to her. Well, it's not insulting. People have that, you know, particular age. I mean, that's not abnormal. But, um, oh, yeah, and then the material said 44% of men. I finally made the top four. <laughs> <laughs> and it, then you have to go the whole time. If you do this ad, you know, do you use it? And, you know, I, you're in that whole conversation. Who wants to be in that conversation? Not Wait, even, I think I hear it. Not, <laughs> <laughs> That's the device. <laughs> not even Jerry Springer wants to be I, in that conversation. Do oh. you think it's... Megan's solar powered, I, so you'd have to be outside some. At least well, some. no, because most of the time you're doing this at night, so solar power. But the lights would make definitely no, off. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but so clearly, that's, so electric. that's your line. Well, it's got to be electric. Yeah. It's got to be electric. It's gotta have electric. <laughs> well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't but know. I uh, maybe it's I internal combustion. The there was a line. I said, yeah. you know what? I'll sell myself for almost anything. Yeah. But that, it if just, they had said a million, then, how do you tell your kids? How do you tell your grandson? What you're doing? I mean, the kids in school are going to make fun every day. Yeah, it's there's no good way. Out there's of a it. microphone in front of you. You're just back there yeah. talking. <laughs> Does this work? <laughs> well, so that's your line. We found it. We found the line. But if it had been a million, I do it. For a <laughs> <laughs> Not that proud. Call me anything you want for a million. <laughs> And there he is. There he is. <laughs> so I, the podcast office got an anonymous call about uh, somebody spotted you going into a gym, like oh, a he workout was lost. gym. He was lost. And that immediately made me think, we've been trying so hard to get you to consider going on the Running Wild with Bear Grill show. Not that they've asked, they haven't. But we think they, they haven't, haven't even replied to we an email. We haven't asked because they've taken a look at you saying he'd probably die. There's a liability issue. <laughs> so <laughs> I brought in a bunch of people last week from yeah. uh, outdoor, oh, I remember. Yeah, you know, nice. like s- some yeah. uh, people who actually help people get ready for such adventures. Yeah, get their like, roads, their, rivers, and trails. Uh, roads, yeah, rivers, and trails. Yeah. Uh, dot com is their website. They're great people. So are you going to a gym and working out, or are you, like, uh, on the sneak, preparing for... Do you know something we don't know? Well, I'm sure I know something <laughs> we don't know. Fair. I just pick up a book. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn, yeah. That's fair. But about that issue? No, I am not... Um, I'm more likely to be out of work than working out. Why were you going into a gym? Well, that's what's absurd about it. <laughs> it was not... I wouldn't know what to do. No, we know. Plus, they the things they have there, they're heavy. <laughs> they want you to lift them? You have to sweat? What, what is the point of that? Seriously, you lift it, and then you put it right back down. Okay. You're supposed to do it more than Why once. Why move it in the first place? Even, let's say, and this is true about working out, 
And I know everyone's going to say, no, it's good, it's good, it's good. Working out is probably very good for you while you're working out. Uh But the week you stop, there's no benefit. If you stop, then everything starts falling apart. And it didn't matter that for 20 years you were working out. You're no longer working out. And you have every problem, and probably more, because you put on all this weight. And how come everyone who works out walks around limping? Oh my Every God. time you see they're wearing all these, this workout clothing, they're so cool, and they're limping. And they hurt. Oh, my knee. Oh, my hip. What is? This is I've never... I take naps. Nothing hurts. <laughs> I've never heard him get this passionate about anything other than politics. Pretty, pretty jacked up. <laughs> yeah. I'm sick and tired of people There's no science. No science behind it. None at all. But he's pretty Head jacked up. He's, he's done. There's no lasting value. While you're doing it, it's good for your heart rate and all that. Who has Once told you over, this? Who told you that? I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, in your building in uh, the Chicago area, we don't want to have stalkers bothering you, but... Uh, there, I bet there's a gym in your building. Isn't there a workout room? And a Bob and a Tom. And yeah. A, yeah, no, there's a gym. Okay. And there is in your, where you live, I'm sure. Sure. And there is where I live. Sure. Yeah. Okay. We've established that. And yeah. moving on. It's pretty easy. <laughs> it, it would be pretty easy for him. Sure would be. <laughs> and even these, these. Uh, Here we go. He's back he's, on. He's really <laughs> upset about this. These senior homes. They have them there, too. They have them there, too, which is crazy. You're going to die. Why are you doing it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Workout advice from Jerry Springer. Don't just do it. I should have a workout tape. (laughs) Yeah. Here's the philosophy. It's very simple. Never run if you can walk. Never walk if you can stand. Never stand if you can sit. Never sit if you can lie down. (laughs) How old are you? And you've lived how long? (laughs) You know, we have in my office at home uh, probably five copies of a video that teaches people how to dance. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Oh, wait. Let's, that- let's don't be too specific, <laughs> but we can't sell that. We can't show that because of some <laughs> issues we ran into. Some, maybe some legal issues, and, quote unquote. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we have that, and uh, now that time has passed. But you know what? Maybe, maybe you're on to something here. A workout video with Jerry Springer. I don't think you're onto anything. No, nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. No, I think this has got nothing. No, yeah. it's like you buy those books, you know, and they are all the pages are empty. That's your workout video. Yeah. It's just music. It's just blank <laughs> tape. I hate you. <laughs> Jane, help us. Let, let me ask you something, Jerry. Yeah. Hey, by the way, we have Slippery Creek coming up. Yeah, they're real good. I would call them uh, Americana bluegrass. Yeah. They're very, bluegrass. very bluegrass. Yeah, we they're heard them warming good. up. They're pretty we, yeah, incredible. They're very cool. Um, the, the government was shut down for three days, Jerry, over the weekend uh, relative to this time of this broadcast is taping, which is January 23rd. Um, what's your reaction and analysis of all that? What the government had to pass, what the Senate and House had to pass, was a continuing resolution because they have to pass a budget, otherwise the government's not allowed to spend any money. So all the employees of the government, from military to the people you call for um, you know, your benefits or whatever, 
um, no one was going to get paid, you know, unless the Senate would pass a resolution to permit the bills to be paid. So it's important to keep the government going. The Republicans, though they control the White House and the Senate and the Congress, were unable to get all of their own people to pass such legislation, so they needed some Democratic votes to pass the resolution which would keep the government open paying its bills. A lot of Democrats stood up and said, we are not going to give you the extra votes you need to keep the government open unless you continue the DACA program. The DACA program, what the letters stand for, is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. What it means is that there are 800,000 children that were brought to America by their immigrant parents that aren't documented. They don't yet have papers to be here legally. So that's how their parents got here, but they brought their kids. So the moral argument, which, by the way, 80% of America agrees with, if you were brought over here by your parents as a child, when obviously you have no control over it, and you are now living in America, all your schooling is in America, you go to high school, you go to college, you get a job, you're a taxpaying citizen, you're just a person who committed no crime. Remember, you didn't commit the crime. You were a minor brought here by your parents. And uh, President Obama passed a, or gave an executive order which said that these 800,000 children could not be deported because they didn't have papers saying they were American citizens. And when Trump got into office, he did away with that executive order. So unless we restore that, these 800,000 young people who did literally nothing wrong, nothing illegal, many of whom will be deported, it depends which ones he goes after, the darker the skin, the more likely they'll go after. If you're from Norway, you got a good shot of staying. So that's it. And that's why 80% of Americans are for it. But the Republicans were getting upset because they couldn't, they didn't want to give up on this because a, a large part of their base doesn't like the whole concept of immigration to begin with. They think there are too many immigrants here in America. And they want to make sure that there's total funding for a wall, that they, some people don't even want a path to citizenship for these people. So they're saying, you give us all the things we want and maybe we'll let the kids stay. And so that's why you had the government shut down. Now, by the time people are hearing this, that issue, at least the government is no longer shut down, but the substance of the issue hasn't been solved yet. Here's what I want to talk about. There was an ad, which now you won't see anymore unless you Google it, because the government is back open. But Trump, the, uh, the organization for the re-election of President Trump put out a TV ad which showed a, a Mexican drug kingpin who was in court. He had murdered two police officers, and 
you could see him saying, and they had the language underneath, I wish I could have killed more, saying that if the Democrats permit immigrant children staying in this country, they are now, and I'm, these are exactly the words, complicit in the murder of any American. What? It is pure racism. The camera focuses in on the look of this person. First of all, it's totally factually incorrect because, by the way, if you commit a crime, you're not eligible for DACA. You're not eligible to stay here. So it doesn't even apply to them. Secondly, every survey has shown that immigrants, legal as well as those that don't yet have their documents, commit far less, percentage-wise, far less crimes than people born in America. So it's not even a crime problem because you're an immigrant. So it has nothing to do. What it is, is trying to get people who are afraid of black men, brown men, Hispanic men, whatever the non-white color is, the fear of that, using it as a political weapon. And there is at least a 50-year history of this weapon being used. It started in the, to my memory, that I can personally, have personally observed in my lifetime. In the, in the 1950s, you had the Southern strategy. The Southern strategy was when the Republicans and Nixon decided to come out against the Civil Rights Act, knowing full well that they'd lose that fight, but at least the South would side with the Republicans from then on because all the Republicans in the South were opposed to the Civil Rights Act. Lyndon Johnson famously said when that bill passed, for the next generation, the Democrats have lost the South, and that was exactly true. So that was the first time we saw it. We saw it with George Wallace standing in, the, in front of the University of Alabama to stop a black person from registering in the university, stoking the fears of, oh my gosh, what if you had a black person in your dorm with your kids? Would your kids be safe? All of that. And it continued. We had... Remember the fight against busing. This was how they could work on it in the North, because in the North, you weren't allowed to have a, a segregation. Remember, in the South, in the 50s, segregation was still the law of the land, in a sense, or at least the law of those states. But now up North, it wasn't. So what the North was going to do to integrate would be to have, because neighborhoods were all segregated, is to, to have white children and black children bus various places around town so you would wind up with integrated schools. You don't want your kid going to school with a black kid. Oh, the crime, the danger, the bad education and all that. Using the race card as a weapon and Republicans and George Wallace and Richard Nixon got elected on that. George Bush, the 41st, the first George Bush, who we view today as a good, decent, 
you know, even if we didn't like his politics, a good, decent man who had been a patriot, a wonderful life in public service. And when he ran in 1988 against Michael Dukakis, the governor of Massachusetts, in that campaign, which is exactly what Trump is doing now, there was this fellow named Willie Horton. Willie Horton was a black man who was convicted of murder. He was in prison. The state of Massachusetts, even before um, Dukakis became governor, passed a law which gave weekend furloughs, unsupervised weekend furloughs to people in prison, even those if they had committed a murder, if they had good conduct in prison, etc. And he signed that. Dukakis signed it as governor. So it became a campaign issue. You don't want Dukakis as president letting murderers out on the street. So they ran a commercial showing the mugshot of a black man, and you know no one looks good in their mugshots, of a black man, the caucus is president, these people will be roaming the streets on weekends. It's the famous Willie Horton ad. How is that ad any different from what Trump just put out by that, that Hispanic man, you let him in this country, they'll be murdering everybody. This has gone on and on and on. Race, fear of black men, brown men, people of color, is used as a weapon subtly. Because remember, if you were opposed to immigration, you wouldn't have to show the picture of anybody. Why not substantively make an argument why you don't want to have immigration? Why show the picture of a person of color in making your argument? I even remember, by the way, it just dawned on me, when I was a news anchor here in Cincinnati in the 1980s, there, we used to run, and all the stations did it, there'd be stories about crime. And while we were doing it, back then they had what they called B-roll. While the anchor is talking, you saw, back then it wasn't video, it was film of a generic scene. And every time we talked about crime, the pictures were of black teenagers in a black neighborhood. And it, it wasn't about a particular crime that happened there. That's, the, that's what we used when we did pictures about crime. And I remember everyone in the newsroom meeting on that. And I think other stations did the same thing, finally said, done with that. You may not run those, you know. It's, this is what is going on. And this is what Trump is doing. His racism is unbelievable. We know that his argument against immigration is not just illegal immigrants. He was arguing, how can we let people in from these shithole countries that are black? That was his argument, which had nothing to do with illegality. He didn't want people from those countries, from African countries, from Haiti. It's pure racism. This is George Wallace has been elected president of the United States. And you know what? This is what Republicans have to own. I'm not saying every Republican gets up in the morning and says, what can I do to beat up on black people? Of course not. But the point is, you know what you are accepting in order to win political points. 
Where was one United States senator, maybe there was one, and I apologize to that senator if there was one, that stood up and said, pull that ad off the air this past weekend. Where was the Republican outcry to Trump, how dare you run that ad while we're trying to debate immigration? No one in the Republican Party stood up and said, that is filthy, that is disgusting, that is anti-America, shame on you. And now coming to the stage this evening, we have Sleep, Slippery Creek. We've got Andrew, Taylor, Josh, and Joseph. Welcome, gentlemen. <laughs> this is the first time these guys have been joining us. Welcome, welcome. We're excited to have you. Oh, thank you. Thank so you. tell us a little bit about yourselves. How long have you guys been playing together? We've been playing together a little over a year now. Yep, and you are bluegrass, correct? Bluegrass. Bluegrass, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, old school, traditional. <laughs> Excellent. You can listen to them at, um, let's see if I have it written down, slipperycreekbluegrass.com. And your first song this evening is Georgia Mules and Country Boys. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's hear it. Georgia Mules and Country Boys are fading fast away. You don't see many news these days, you don't see many news. 
Thank you very much, guys. That was fantastic. So where are you? Are you guys local? Where are you from? They're from New York. They're from the, I know, right? Wow. Brooklyn. <laughs> They're from Brooklyn. Yeah, we're, we're local. Uh, yeah. Cincinnati and northern Kentucky and... We get around a little bit, not, yeah? not too much. How did this? What? How did this bluegrass inspire you? What, what? What? inspired you to do this in your? Oh, you know, we're we're all good friends, and we've been picking together for a long time. And there's a lot of pickers around here. And yeah, Andrew and I, we met down at a guitar shop, um, yeah. luthier shop, building guitars. And me and Josh went to school together. Taylor, he no picks that. He he picks a lot of bass. Yeah, so. it's a big orange bass yeah. for those that can't yeah. see it. Yeah, you're not gonna lose that. <laughs> That's really, now, do you guys play any other types of music individually, or is this kind of your each? Yeah, individual? yeah, we all, uh, you know, I think Taylor plays, and he's playing in a rock and roll band next week. Band yeah. On Friday. Yeah. <laughs> all over the place, huh? Well, Did you write that song, by the way? No, that song was written by uh, D. Felice and Boodlow Bryant. D. Felice, from here in, in, in... Yeah, and they actually wrote, uh, wrote Rocky Top and uh, a couple no, other, yeah, other really no good kidding. songs, too. Oh, no kidding. Right? We knew D. Right? Yeah, the one I'm thinking. Yeah, because I'm thinking. Jazz musician. It's the one that had the downtown. Good thing we picked that song then. Very cool. You know, we heard the Osborne brothers play that song first and then uh, then found out it was written by them, actually. You guys did a great job. That's fantastic. All right, they have another one for us, Jerry. This one is Train 45. Oh, yeah.
thank you. Holy cow. Thank you, guys. You guys got to come back. That was great. <laughs> you got to take a breath before we have <laughs> fingers on fire a little bit. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Again, you guys have got to check them out at slipperycreekbluegrass.com. Thank you guys very, very much. Could, yeah. Yeah, that was incredible. Very, very cool. That kind of music, you don't even need a device. That's that was, wonderful. That's so cool. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, down by the riverside, we're gonna we're gonna That's take good. it down a notch here with Mr. Springer. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. <laughs> I think I got it now. Wow, Jer, look at listen to you. <laughs> oh hell, fire! <clears throat> you don't get no more cooking. <clears throat> Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website, jerryspringer.com.